I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live. I know you have been a staunch advocate for reproductive rights. I also know your faith and you're very vocal about Christianity. So what would you say to people who kind of have a hard time being pro-abortion, but also Christian? Abortion is a medical decision. It is medical care. It is what helps a woman who's had a miscarriage actually navigate that space. It's technically a spontaneous abortion. It is what happens in an ectopic pregnancy, but it is also a decision that women make because they are not ready to be mothers. It is a medical decision. And while your faith tradition may tell you that you personally do not want to make that choice, it is not my right as a Christian to impose that value system on someone else because the value that should overhang everything is the right to make our own decisions, the free will that the God I believe in gave us. Do you support any limitation on abortion or does it, do you think that women should have the right to have an abortion all the way up to nine months? I believe an abortion is a medical decision. And I believe that that should be a choice made between a doctor and a woman and in consultation with her family. But I think the challenge that we have is that we keep putting this in a political space. This is a medical decision. And the medical choices that should be made should be governed by what is best for that woman and what is best at the suggestion of and advice of their doctor. How do you put legislation around that? You put legislation around that by returning to what we know was the, con- the structural framework of Roe v. Wade. You do it by not setting arbitrary gestational limits because we know that those rarely actually reflect medical decision making. I grew up in a family that I grew up in a community that often took an anti-abortion position, but my parents sent me to college. They didn't send me there to learn about abortion. They sent me there to learn about a broader world. And there I met my friend who shared my same religious beliefs and we shared conversations and I evolved on this issue because I learned more. My parents are United Methodist ministers and often I am, not often, but I've been castigated more than once about discussing politics in church. And I point out that if you read the Bible, the Bible is nothing but a political thriller. And for me, the decision to be pro-choice is exactly part of my faith. I cannot strike down another person's rights simply because I don't agree. My shield is to say that you have the right to make your own choices. I say you protect the vulnerable and you wrap them in your love. And would you accept any restrictions? And if so, what would those be? What I've said is that we understand that this is a medical decision. And so arbitrary political parameters make no sense. I'm going to do something mildly obnoxious. Come here. Come on. Yeah. You've got a phone, right? Come on. You seem really excited to say hi. <laughs> Want to take a picture? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay, I'm Do you mind taking your mask off for a second? Mom's okay. It's I've fine. got a little bit of trouble taking a mask with kids with masks on. Right here. Okay. <laughs> Out right now, Stacey Abrams, candidate in Georgia's Democratic gubernatorial primary and former Democratic leader in Georgia's House of Representatives. So, Leader Abrams, I appreciate your time. So, obviously, we've all seen the picture. We've all seen the coverage of the picture. Did you make a mistake by taking a photo maskless in the classroom when it appears that everyone else, including all the children, were wearing them? Yes, I will say this. I went to read to kids for an African-American read-in day. I 
approached the podium with my mask on. I followed the protocols. I told the kids I'm taking my mask off because I'm reading to kids who are listening remotely as well. And we were socially distanced. The kids were socially distanced from me. I told them that's what I was doing. And in the excitement after I finished, because it was so much fun working with those kids, I took a picture. And that was a mistake. Protocols matter. And protecting our kids is the most important thing. And anything that can be perceived as undermining that is a mistake. And I apologize. So do you think it's time to, to lift these mask requirements in schools? Would you lift them if you were governor of Georgia? COVID hygiene is going to be a point of debate for a very long time, and we can only follow the science and follow our circumstances. Unfortunately, in Georgia, we're not at a place where that conversation is ready. But we consider the thriving and diverse economy. We can educate bold and ambitious children, but our fundamental responsibility is to take care of the least of these, especially when the least of these are working families who only want a little bit of access to health care. And I am sick and tired of hearing about the free market being the solution to this problem. Because I've never seen the free market write a prescription in rural Georgia. I mean, never seen the free market show up to give someone metformin so they can have a little bit of control of their diabetes before it turns into an amputation of their foot. I've never seen the free market say, I'm going to replace that stench in your heart next door and not make you go 200 miles to get it done. The problem with the free market is the free market needs to make a profit. And there is no profit in doing the right thing. Let's talk about gun policy. When you were a state lawmaker in 2016, you co-sponsored a bill that would have allowed Georgia state authorities to take away so-called assault weapons from current gun owners. Most similar bans would grandfather in existing uh, weapons of that sort, semi-automatic rifles that are called uh, assault weapons. So is that your current position, that law-abiding gun owners in Georgia should have to give up those weapons if authorities deem it necessary? In the state of Georgia, you introduce legislation to start conversations. I am happy to work with the legislature to figure out how we make an assault weapons ban work. But what I fundamentally believe is that we have to have common sense gun safety legislation. I am someone who supports the Second Amendment, who knows how to shoot, who knows how to hunt. But I believe that our responsibility is to make certain that the most vulnerable in our society do not face those who are irresponsible with their weapons. AR-15s are not necessary on our streets. Semi-automatic weapons have to be put under a certain level of responsible control. And I believe as the next governor of Georgia, I can work with Democrats and Republicans to come up with common sense gun safety legislation that will allow us to make our families and our community safer. Well, just to be clear, you were one of six co-sponsors of this bill, a House yes. Bill 731 introduced January 11, 2016, not that long right. ago. Your co-sponsor told reporters the law, quote, would require gun owners of these particular models to turn their guns in. And again, my, my point is this. The legislation introduced was the beginning of a conversation. I am absolutely certain that with, were we to pass this in Georgia, we would have a conversation about grandfathering in, about whether or not people would turn their, their guns in, whether there would be buybacks. There are a number of approaches to take to accomplish this goal. But the fundamental responsibility is common sense gun safety legislation in Georgia, making sure we get dangerous weapons off the streets and that responsible gun owners stand together to hold those who are irresponsible accountable and we reduce the risk of harm to the rest of Georgia. Well, just to be clear, though, I'm just trying to understand. So you, yes. you don't support the actual legislation? You just support having a conversation about it? No. What I've said is legislation in the state legislature is about starting the conversation. Very few pieces of legislation are introduced 
and come out the same way they go in. That's the process of making the law. My mission in 2016 was to be a part of the conversation. I believe that we have to ban assault weapons in the state of Georgia. But what I'm saying is, as part of my leadership, I'm going to work across the aisle, and we're going to have a conversation about how we accomplish this. Involve. All right, I'll follow up on one issue you discussed with Jake yesterday. Jake brought up that you were a co-sponsor of legislation that would have required people in Georgia to turn in some of their assault weapons if it passed there. You said that's the beginning of a conversation. What I want to know from you as a candidate for governor, what do you want the end of the conversation to be? As you sit here the day before the election, do you want, do you support a law that would require Georgians to turn in some of their assault weapons? I, rec I support a law that will ban assault weapons. And just as when we banned radar detection, for example, some people turned in their, um, their devices, some people were some people kept them and just refused to use them anymore. Weapons are more dangerous. They are more vulnerable to mm -hmm. misuse. And I do think that in the state of Georgia, we're going to have to figure out how we do this. We've done it before as a nation, and there wasn't a nationwide confiscation, but there are going to be some people who are going to be held to a higher standard because they have demonstrated mm -hmm. a lesser sense of responsibility. What I want us to do is what we should always do in our legislative process have a discussion about how we accomplish our goals. Mm -hmm. And it is wrong for anyone to say, I know the exact end. But, the end in mind for me is this. We I, need to I, make our state safer, and that means we need to ban assault weapons uh, in the state of Georgia. Banning, banning them is one thing. Requiring people to turn them in is another. And, and the voters in Georgia just want to know if you support a law that would require them to turn in their assault weapons. I will support a law that is mutually agreed upon by the House and the Senate in bipartisan fashion mm -hmm. to ensure that we create the safest space in the state of Georgia. And I understand that what you want is right. a hard and fast decision. But part of my responsibility as governor is to govern the whole state, to work across the aisle and work with people of differing values, but with a core goal mm -hmm. of making sure we make Georgia safer. I believe in common sense gun safety legislation. And that means we've got to work together to figure out the best way to achieve this outcome. You can eliminate anyone who is not a citizen, meaning someone who's a resident, a green card holder, or undocumented. What you're left with then in the United States today is that 50% of the population under the age of 18, or sorry, under the age of 15 is communities of color. If you remove them from the calculation, then what that means is that you create a whiter and therefore more Republican voting base. And under the Constitution, if they are not counted as part of the population, you are not committing discrimination if you don't include them in the drawing of those lines, which means a school board that has a predominantly Latino population in Arizona, but a number of those kids are undocumented or their families are, they are now no longer able to elect anyone who represents them because of the way the lines are drawn. This weaponization is not only intentional, it is continuing. And part of what's happening in the HEROES Act, which just passed the House and is sitting in the, in the Senate, is that it includes language that forbids the census from providing this data in circumvention of the Supreme Court. The question about voter suppression and voter turnout is causation without correlation. We, I'm sorry, you can make mistakes even when you know what you're talking about. It's correlation without causation. We know that increased turnout has nothing to do with suppressing. That's problematic. Take a listen to what Ohio Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown uh, said about your race uh, just a few days ago. If Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. It's clear. 
it's clear. And I would say, I say that publicly. So Sherrod Brown says the election was stolen. Do you agree that it was stolen? And do you think that Brian Kemp is not the legitimate governor-elect of Georgia? The law as it stands says that he received an adequate number of votes to become the governor of Georgia. And I acknowledge the law as it stands. I am a lawyer by training, and I am someone who's taken a constitutional oath to uphold the law. But we know sometimes the law does not do what it should, and that something being legal does not make it right. This is someone who has compromised our systems. He's compromised our democratic systems, and that is not appropriate. And therefore, my mission is going to be to make certain no one else has to face this conversation. Going forward, we are going to ensure that there are fair fights in the state of Georgia and that voter protection is more than a slogan, that it is actually a common cause that cuts across partisanship. Because as I said, there are Republicans who were harmed, Democrats who were harmed, independents who were harmed. And that is wrong in one of the original 13 colonies, one of the founding blocks of mm -hmm. our democracy. And I want Georgia to be better. Is he the legitimate governor-elect of Georgia? He is the person who won an adequate number of votes but that's to not, become the governor of, with of all, Georgia. With all due respect, and I respect where you're coming from, and I respect the, the issues that you're raising, you're not answering the question. Do you think it I was... Am, I am. No, I, I, what I'm not doing... You're not using the word legitimate. Is he the legitimate governor-elect of Georgia? He is the legal governor of Georgia. And, and here's the thing, Jake. I want to be very clear. Words have meaning. And I've spent my lifetime not only as an attorney but as a writer... And I'm very careful with the words I choose. And yes, when he takes the oath of office, he will be the legal governor of the state of Georgia. He is the legal victor. But what you are looking for me to say is that there was no compromise of our democracy and that there should be some political compromise in the language I use. And that's not right. What's not right is saying that something was done properly when it was not. I will never deny the legal, the legal permature that says that he is in this position. And I pray for his success. But will I say that this election was not tainted, was not a disinvestment and a disenfranchisement of thousands of voters? I will not say that. Well, just, just to be clear, I don't have an opinion on what you should say or should not say. I'm just trying to get, I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. Oh, I are, are you at all concerned that your words this morning and, and uh, in your speech Friday will undermine faith in the democratic process? Not at all, because the words I use are very specific. We have had systematic disenfranchisement of voters. We have seen gross mismanagement of our elections. And we have seen an erosion of faith in our democracy and our state. Those are all true facts. But these are all solvable problems. And that's why I'm proud to be an American. It's why I'm proud to be a Georgian. And it's why I'm taking up Fair Fight Georgia. Because Faith is not enough. We have to have action married to that faith. And I don't believe that you cast aspersions or cause me to say anything. But what I am being clear about is that I'm choosing my words very carefully because words have meaning. And we have to have leaders who will actually speak truth and not engage in political compromise for ease. We have to have people who are going to fight to make sure our democracy works for everyone. Because there are Republicans who are going to win elections because of what we do. There are going to be independents who finally gain a foothold because of what we do. And that is what's right in a democracy. Chairman, uh, Ms. Abrams, it's been over two years and you still refuse to concede that you lost the race for governor in Georgia in 2018. You have said that, quote, you do not concede that the process was proper and that, quote, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. 
Yes or no, today, do you still maintain that the 2018 Georgia election was stolen? As I have always said, I acknowledged at the very beginning that I that Brian Kemp won under the rules that were in place. What I object to are rules that permitted thousands of Georgia voters to be denied their participation in this election or to have their votes cast out. And so I will continue to disagree with the system until it is fixed. We have seen market progress made, and unfortunately, it was undone in SB202. But I will continue to advocate for a system that permits every eligible Georgian to cast their ballots. Ms. Ms. Abrams, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to please answer the question I asked, which is, do you, yes or no, do you still maintain the 2018 election was stolen? That's your language. My full language was that it was stolen from the voters of Georgia. We do not know what they would have done because not every eligible Georgian was permitted to participate fully in the election. So you also told the New York Times that your loss, quote, was fully attributable to voter suppression. Uh, Ms. Abrams, do you know in Georgia whether the percentage of, of African-American Georgians who are registered to vote and who turned out to vote, is it higher or lower than the national average? It is higher than the national average because Georgia is one of the largest states with an African-American population. But it, it, that's not tied to the size of the population. The percentage of black Georgians who are registered to vote in 2018 is 64.7%. That compares to 60.2% as the national average. The percentage of Georgians who voted in 2018, the election you claim was stolen from you, was 56.3%. That's higher than the national average of 48%. Let me ask you this, Ms. Abrams. In 2018, do you know which demographic group in Georgia had the highest registration percentage and the highest turnout percentage? I have a guess, but I will defer to you for the answer. The answer is African-Americans had the highest registration and the highest turnout, despite your claiming that the election was stolen and there was somehow voter suppression. Well, let me just quickly follow up on that, because these, these groups wrote him a letter this week, uh, uh, wrote Vice President Biden, and said, as a senator, you not only supported, but in many cases authored and championed laws that expanded mass incarceration, increased police powers, exacerbated racial disparities in sentencing and surveillance. Are they right? And if they are, how does this reconcile with what Joe Biden is saying today? What I hope we're see, what I hope those activists are seeing, what I believe Joe Biden has expressed in his very thoughtful and intentional response over the last month, is that mistakes were made based on bad information, bad decision making, that there were poor decisions made by a number of people across the country, and it came to a head in 1994. But as Should President Biden run again in 2024? If he chooses to run again, I am there to support him. But my mission is to win this election in 2022. The strongest predictor of what will happen in 24 is governors across this country winning on the on the values of protecting a woman's right to choose, reducing gun violence, making certain that we have an economy that is strong. And I intend to be that governor for the great state of Georgia. If he called you and said, what do you think? Should I run? What would your answer be? I'm going to tell him to do his best job and that right now our focus has to be on has to be on what's happening. But yes, if, if President Biden chooses to run again, I absolutely support him. I am tired of hearing about being the best state in the country to do business when we are the worst state in the country to live.